Welcome to a new episode of No Ride Around. Man, we are going to get into the thick of some jungle today. How about that, Apples? Man, we got to talk about this LaRuda thing. So the whole uh, background of this third season has been this idea of us culminating the year, culminating the race season with La Ruta de los Conquistadores in Costa Rica. And it's it's not been as much of a highlight throughout our recordings this year as it has been with Breck Epic in year one. And then with the idea of the team and growing all that in our rogue racing in year two. And so um, I want to like check in with you. Yeah. And then check in with like just the idea of this thing. Now, that being said, we're recording still in the middle of the summer. And uh, this race isn't until November. I think that might be, you know, when you look at what our seasons in the past, you know, so Breck Epic. Well, we started recording in January. But Breck Epic was in August. Right. And so when you scale that time frame, like us kind of getting serious about talking about LaRuda makes sense. Right. Because yeah. it's still three ish months away. Well, and also, and this is like, a, I kind of snuck this on you without you knowing. It, but we've talked historically how you've been, like, you're an event guy. I'm an event guy too. I just sure. do a ton of them. Yeah. You're an event guy too. And not last year, but the year previous, like once the big events over, you've in the past had like little lulls. Oh, sure. And this is a sneaky, tricky way for me to get you to have no lull because if the event's not even until November, like most people finish their season, right? In August or even September, you know, Labor Day kind of. Yeah. Those big events. And then it's just kind of, everything shuts down a little. And you you can't when you're racing November 5th. You know, fifth or, fifth or seventh or whatever we're talking about. Whatever the heck it is. So yeah, very true. Yeah, there's there's no. It just kind of keeps things rolling, right? Yeah, right straight into the next season. I mean, actually, and I don't believe in this idea of like a peak, right? Like, oh, I'm trying to peak at this event. I mean, I think you should train, and I think you should become your best, and you should continue doing that, right? Sure. Yeah. And so, where is a peak if I'm always getting better? Mm-hmm. Right. Even when I have a bad event, I'm getting better if I take you know, the lessons that that event shows me. So, um, but you should be your strongest this year come November. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we're just sitting here looking at the, and it's so funny because you would think LaRue is a giant event, right? Yeah. And I've literally spent since uh, the day that we recorded the the episode that I committed to doing Laruda and like had my ticket bought. There's exactly 365 days until Laruda, and you would think that a big event like Laruda would have their course either locked down, like Leadville's the same course every year, or well, not this year, yeah, locked. except this year, but but, but pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, we're sitting here kind of pre gaming for this episode. We're looking at their their website, and literally, it's been a week since I checked it, and it's a totally different website. Um, and the course is a little confusing. Yeah, so you were digging into it a bit, and uh, I was just like, "I don't want to, Let's just hit record, dude. Let's just start." And, and <laughs> here's why. And here's why I said that. I actually remember when I did it the first time that I was paying attention to the course, going over the profile, like what to expect. And when I got there, it was still a little different. Yeah. And then the following year, when I went and did it, it was just a little bit different, right? Actually, it was quite a bit different. They finished, the, they changed the third day entirely because some dude decided to die on his 
uh, motocross bike crossing one of those bridges that we did mm. my first time. So the thing is, this is going to change. And part of the reason that's going to change is because we're talking about going to Costa Rica, dude. Like Leadville, for as many people that do operate the town of Leadville without having a full mouth of teeth, it's still like a bit more, you know, it's America, right? Like it's reliable, right? Sure. The terrain's reliable. The private property that's owned is reliable. Like we got to make these agreements with these. We're talking about the jungle and then volcanoes and then a Port Harbor beach. Yeah. So I think that the reason it's not so structured is because they're like, this is what we're planning for, <laughs> but we don't all with the way know. Well, and so what's, what's one thing Harley doesn't like? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, dude. A change of plans. Golly. You tell Harley you're going to ride at Three Sisters, and then three hours earlier say, hey, you know what? We're going to do Lair of the Bear instead, and it's just Yeah, nuclear. Yeah. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't work well for my brain, especially in what feels like a pretty high-stress situation, like traveling to another country to do – uh, a hard event like there's there's layers of of intense stress is the wrong word intensity yeah um and then when the course itself becomes a wild card uh fucking forget about it so <laughs> and here's why i told you to stop clicking and let's just start talking all right i'm going to tell you the laruda course and i promise you that this is what it's going to be you ready yeah and this is what you got to train for like this is it this is how you train okay day one is going to be the hottest day of mountain biking you've ever done in your life, and I don't care where you grew up, right? Right. It will be the hottest day on the bike that you've ever had, okay? And in that day, you're going to ride through some stuff so steep that you didn't know you could ride up it. You're going to do a ton of walking in anywhere from like mid-foot to mid-thigh deep mud. You're going to ford over like 9 or 10, 12, 14 river crossings, right? And you are, again, going to be hotter than you've ever been in your entire life in a jungle. Humid as hell. Yeah. So that's day one. You have a lot of uphill. The downs are like, which rut do I ride in? Sort of downhills. Huh. So there you go. Hot, muggy, gnarly, a lot of walking combined with a lot of riding and just being like, man, this is something else. Okay? There's day one. Day two, you're going to ride up and over two volcanoes. And you're going to say, man, I really take some of that heat because coming down the backside of those volcanoes is just nipple bursting cold, right? But you're going to go up and down two volcanoes and you're going to wonder, how can I live in Colorado home to like huge elevation gain rides? I'm riding up this volcano and it just doesn't ever seem to finish. So that's day two. And then day three is just going to be a super fast ride to finish this thing and it's going to be all celebration. So that's what you need to train for. Yeah. Jungle uh, riding, volcano riding, and then some flat, fast stuff at the end. Right. Hoorah, I finished. How many people, do you know how many people do the race? No, no idea. Okay. I didn't know if it was. Oh, like, I think it's like 475 okay. has been the number of the two times I did it. And it says on the website, it says that they're sold out. Right. Which so, it, it had never sold out in the past, right? Yeah. And, you know, they're doing, they're, um, they're also doing the thing that these events do that just kind of grates on my nerves, you know? Oh, um, like the, there's the siesta, like the single day. They've always done the one day siesta, which is cool because okay. some people just can't. You know, the siesta is a one day. It's the first day, and you actually start a bit closer in the jungle than um, than those of us doing the full three day stage race. And it's cool because I think it's a good opportunity for people that are going to maybe travel with somebody 
you know, so say Abby was going to come down there as well. And she goes, you know what? The three days just not like that's not in scope, but mm-hmm. I could do one day. I think that's, that's cool. But now they've got, they've got all these different little mini versions and so many races are doing this now where they offer, oh, you can't do that one. We'll try this one. You can't do that one. We'll try this one. Just yesterday riding the Leadville course, I was thinking about it. I go, you know, they could make Leadville like a relay and that would just ruin the whole thing. But it's so easy to do. Yeah. Imagine you're one person rides to Twin Lakes, a different person goes up and down Columbine, and then a third person rides back from Twin Lakes. Yeah. You could do a three-person relay in a heartbeat without a big logistical nightmare, but it would ruin the flow of the race. Yeah. And that's not what that race is about. But that's what I think <laughs> that's what I thought about a lot of these races. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, at some point all these races turn into just money-making enterprises, and I think that's kind of how that shit happens. Well, and if you, you know, you talked like the whole website's new again. Um, you know, Spartan Race bought LaRuda in 2020. Mm-hmm. And um, Roman, the, the founder, he had turned down Iron Man a handful of times. Iron Man was trying to buy LaRuda. And uh, I think Iron Man was trying to buy Breck Epic also. Yeah, And Mike McCormick were. turned them down. So, you know... Th- these, I think these race creators are trying to respect the integrity of it, but eventually, like, a race founder eventually becomes, like, 65. Yeah. Right? Like, you know. I mean, a respect to Ken from Leadville Race Series, but at a certain point, he was just like, yeah, dude, I'm, like, 80. Yeah, I, I can't. As a matter <laughs> of fact, at Silver Rush, watching him in Merrily walk to it, I had that weird thought, and, like, sorry, if, if Ken, you listen to our podcast, that would be insane because I don't think that you're downloading podcasts these days or ever, but maybe you do. But like watching them, I was like, man, they're like, they're moving around like an old couple, you know, like at some point it won't be Ken and Mary Lee at the start of the level 100, you know? Uh, Yeah. Which is a sad thing to think about, dude. Like we covered silver rush already, but still like every time I think about seeing them at the finish of a race, I'm just like excited. It is, is, (laughs) you know, and they, they do the thing that like old people do. They talk about like family and history and, you know, when it was my first time doing Leadville, I'm like. Man, they're like all about the family thing, and then you instantly get it yep. when you finish yeah. when you finish there, and they really do create and foster that environment. But, um, but yeah, back to Laruda, man. Like we need to. I think that we've covered it in years past because I had done it, but I'm not looking at this as, oh, I've done a Harley. Here's how you do it. Come on, let's go. Right. This is a new. This is like a new way of doing it. Right. Because you've done it geared both times. Right. And so going into year three, I wanted to do this with you. And it's both like be like side by side doing it instead of me being like, hey, let me show you this. Hey, let me show you that. Like, that's not fun. I want to do like the new thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I decided to get rid of my gears. (laughs) Because what else do you do? Well, you know, why not? I mean, you'll be able to fit more luggage in your your Evoc bag. Totally. um, With less gears and a lighter bike. It's, well, I'll tell you what. On day one, when you're going through all that mud and you're like dunking your bike in a riverbed and then you're asking them at the, pseudo aid stations to give you more chain lube and they're like i don't know what chain lube is but do you want oil and you're like i mean not really but like that's all you've got because that's what they put oil on your chain yeah and uh you'll be saying to yourself man i bet that single speed is probably a lot easier for sure than shifting these gears um but i am looking in here and there's an open category there's an age group category there's elite category there's elite u23 and i keep scrolling and there is not a single speed category on this thing. No, there's, there's no single speed category. None whatsoever. So, so what do we do? We, we, you make your own category. Make your own category. And I'm looking here. Um, 
there is a there are prizes here for the different categories, you know. And I'm looking at, at what they offer, and I'm gonna I'm gonna fight for my own. So the elite category, first place is twelve grand for the elite category. Okay, if you move into the age groups and whatnot, then you get free entry into twenty two. You get some pack like merchandise. Um, you get some other sponsored gifts, things like that. I'm I'm going to make my own number plate. I'm gonna have to modify it single speed because I want first place. I uh, I always for for you harbor fantasies of like an elite win against geared riders on a single speed. Oh my gosh! <laughs> well, you know when we do these when I do these NUEs, I do pay big attention to my overall position. You know, as much as I like to win them in single speed, I like to see where I'm at overall. Sure. Um, and a lot of times I find myself you know in the top you know, 10 to 15 yeah. overall. Um, but yeah, taking down like the top gear riders on the single speed would be, have to be a hell of a course. Sure. Um, you know, one thing that I haven't done that I never, or that I always do, um, is I usually look up finishing positions and kind of try to figure out like who my people are before the race. I have no idea. Well, like what yeah. are my days? Like help me just cause you know, I need it. Help me understand, like, 10-hour days, 9-hour days. Like, what are, what am I looking at realistically? Because the stats are all kind of, you know, let's assume that the stats that um, they had published for last year um, so hold some sort of relevance to, to what we're going to do this year. You know, roughly the days that the, the old course that they had listed was 250-mile days with about 10,000 feet of climbing. Um, and then a 25 ish mile a day with like 2000 or so. it was like yeah. the last day felt like a, like soft toss kind of day. Right. So, um, and so like assuming the jungle stage, like pointing into the spear, how fast are they going? Right. So day? my nickname in our, my zone and like on my bikes and for the teams, it became dawn to dusk because that was Roman's tip to people who were going to train for this ride. They, you know, he said pro and elite riders will come in here with a, with an estimation on how long it's going to take them. And they're always like woefully <laughs> like, like all the way wrong, unskilled in their, in their anticipated times because they just don't get it. Like we live in Colorado, like how much jungle riding experience do we get? Right. So you never know how it's going to hit you. Well, and again, you've got a reference point of doing a Leadville. Right. Right. So the best way to think about it would be you're talking about a an, a 7 to 10 hour day day 1. Okay? And then day 2 you're looking at like a 5 to 7 hour day. And then day 3 it's going to be a couple hours at the most. Right? So that's kind of where you're looking. The biggest one's day 1. Yeah. Um so yeah, 7 to 10 somewhere in there. Um the problem with the hard part about day 2 is that like if you mail it in, like if you just go, dude, I'm just blasted, right? And you do more walking than riding. Cause I'll tell you, I've never done day two and not walked. Right. Like I've walked every time. And not because it's steep, but just because it's forever. No, yes and yes. Okay. It's steep and forever. Right. And there's times where you're just like, dude, I just don't want to grind up this anymore. And you start, I mean, I walked stuff that I had, there's no need to walk it. Right. Right. For reference, actually, we haven't talked about this, but. Yesterday, we did a training ride at Leadville, the middle 50. And um, one of my tests yesterday, I'm running a 36 tooth on the front of the revolver. 
can I ride in the 30 with the 36? Now, I definitely used the high end of that cassette. I was on that 51, <laughs> but I rode all of Columbine sure. yesterday. So sure. every piece, never got off the bike, right? And you know what that's like, that top part, that's a bitch, right? Yeah. If I had that revolver, I'm still walking on day two. Like it's, it's just, it's just that, it's just goes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our mountain roads, let's use Columbine as reference, you know, it kind of weaves back and forth and like it'll mellow a little bit. And it, you know, and then come yeah, up you, and then, you've got to switch back, and it yeah. gets steep for a second, and then it mellows, and because it, it's traversing natural terrain, and right. so yeah, Laruda, no switchbacks. It's just straight. It's just up there. Yeah, like up on pavement, up on cobblestone pathways, up on broken concrete, up on dirt, up on grass, just just up. all of it. And so just you're up, looking up, 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 and you're like, okay, so I see it's three miles in that direction. Wow, um, I'm just gonna walk for a little bit. I, uh, so we've joked, uh, both on, on the podcast and within our team Slack channel, um, about, uh, one cog Rob, Rob Kevlich getting lost on two races now that we've been at, um, and kind of poked fun at him because of him just staring straight at his front wheel. But I have definitely started approaching non-technical climbs with the, I'm looking three feet in front of my wheel. Just there's head down n- here. there's no like it's if you look three feet in front of your wheel on a non-technical ride uh, climb with no oncoming traffic so it's safe to kind of have your head down a little bit um it's if you just look three feet in front of your wheel it's flat you're not yeah. climbing it's flat <laughs> right 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 i uh you know his new i Evan came up with the best nickname for Rob Kev. Which way do I go? <laughs> That's his new. It's a very long nickname, which <laughs> but it makes works. it hard. Like yeah. if he was a dog, you wouldn't be able to call him. Yeah. Hey, Kev, which way do I go? Yeah. That would just want to work. Um, <laughs> but guy. that was that was spot on. Who he is? Yeah. Kev, which way to go? Um. So. Monday or Monday, the first day of the race is the is. The great equalizer. It's just shitty for everybody, right? It's shitty for everybody, and um, you have like that race energy, right? Where like you know every race is that way. Yeah. I was watching a video this morning of this guy doing the Vapor Trail 125, which is a race out of Salida that starts at 10 p.m. Um, and it's a 125 mile race that starts at 10 p.m., which is freaking cool. Limited to just 100 riders. And I was watching him, his video, and he was talking about the, like just the energy, and everyone like gets going right away. And with that race, they do a controlled start for like five miles, just to let people chill out. Mm-hmm. And so Larue is the same way. Like you start on the beach, right on the water, and then it's going to be a controlled start with a pace vehicle. And then they stop in the past. They've stopped you, and they do some aerial. They run helicopters and stuff. And it's a big deal. It's a huge deal, right? It's a huge deal for the country. Um, much like what Leadville did for Leadville. LaRuda does for the country of Costa Rica, right? Brings so much money in and, and travel, just moving people through the, the interior of the country because most of us freaking upper middle class yuppie bastards, we go to like beaches on one or the other side. Right, one of the, the middle bit, we're like, eh, there's probably yeah. bad shit there. Like if I go to the middle bit, it's on a bus where I'm on a tour and I go see like this cool volcano and then go back to my secluded private Go back to my super dope. In, you know. <laughs> Armed guards. <laughs> right. So... And yeah, it has that cool energy. So yeah, they have, you know, they, they maybe stop you, but it's pretty controlled. And then you just get into a climb and I'm telling you, dude, it's like, it's like Green Mountain's fire road, which make fun of Green Mountain all you want. Come ride with me there. Anyone who wants to talk smack on it and let's roll. We'll see if you want to party. 
Because that fire road will eat you up yeah. if you do it three or four times. Sure. It's that fire road on steroids. And you're just like, okay, I guess it started. And you're just in it. Wow. So. Um, so day one sucks. Day two. I mean, it probably. But it doesn't suck in yeah, the jungle. Yeah, yeah. When's it, when, have you ever mountain biked in a jungle? No. Like, no, have I, you ever mountain biked in a jungle and there's a very clear possibility of you coming across a gigantic boa constrictor in the river next to you? I'm not super pumped on that bit. I mean, if you want to know how to ride fast? Yeah. Get chased by snakes. Um, yeah. So if there's one thing that I find frustrating as a bike racer, it's mandatory hike a bike. Like if I, if I can't ride it, that's on me. Right. right. But like I got super twisted and it will forever remain twisted. And if I ever do break Epic again, we'll be twisted on the day of Wheeler pass. Because but, there's just a part like you just they, can't ride. They it. just put it in because it, it, it ups the hard factor. Yeah. Um, and respect for that because, you know, on day five, day, it was day five. It was the day before the, the, the soft toss. Um, they just make it hard for the sake of being hard. But I trained to race my bike, not race my bike shoes. Yeah. You know, we talked about that yesterday for one of our riders. She was, she was hiking at the top of Columbine. And she asked, she goes, is there like a good way to hike your bike? And I'm like, well, no, not really, because if there was, then why would you have a bike? Yeah, there's a good way to hike your bike. Leave your bike in the garage and put your hiking shoes on and just go hike. Um, though there really is, and I showed her kind of how to. We did see somebody at Breck Epic pull out a pair of shoes. That's just, there's, <laughs> there's no need for that. <laughs> I um, agree, but. But there is like, there is a right way to hike a bike, but it's just the right way to move your body. Like yeah. A curved spine is going to be pretty shitty long-term. A flat spine is going to be more helpful. So how do you get a flat spine? So hike that way with a flat spine. The hiking that you'll do in the route, you will do hiking for sure, typically comes from, you know, the entrance to the Karakara jungle. You're riding dirt road and you can ride all of it. It's steep and you're granny gearing and your seat is you're like finding steep. parts of your insides that you didn't want it to find. Right. But you're pedaling. But you're pedaling. When you go into the jungle, it's just a series of steep descents on mu- like muddy, ruddy trails into a river crossing, but then up on the opposite embankment. Uh-huh. So it's just these steep embankments that have just, you know, the, the water is just cut into the side of the okay. jungle. And so that's where the hike bikes come. Some of them you ride. Some of them are more gradual than others. Some of them you run maybe two or three steps uh, out of the exit of the river and you're back on it. But there are a few that it's just so steep and the erosion's been so deep that you're you're not. Now, what you will see, you'll see people on dirt bikes ride, driving it the opposite way, like towards you. I mean, they get out of your way and stuff like the medics are on dirt bikes, things like that. Um, and I looked at them and I'm like, I don't know how that dirt bike... I mean, that's insane. I, I'm, I'm having a hard time walking up this with my bicycle. I couldn't imagine riding like a motorbike down this, but they do it. Um, but that's what you're hiking for. So it's not that they're doing it just to make it hard. It's that, um, well, there's no other way to get to the other side of the jungle. Like, huh. This is what we got, and this is what Earth has done. And you know what? I'm going to go back here and grade it. Like You couldn't get the machinery back there to grade it. And frankly, grading things like power line, sanitizing it like that. Apparently, it's all fucked up right now. Well, it is now. The rain, dude, was... Yeah gnarly uh last week in redville but but when you grade it then if you go and ride it graded you go i mean eh. yeah but it wasn't what it used to be honestly when we're jumping all over the place but when we pre-rode power line you know a month or more ago 
um, having it, I hadn't ridden it graded and it, it kind of fucked me up more than riding it all fucked up. Well, it's so fast graded. It was pretty fast before. No, but it's, you just had to know how to ride a bike. Yeah. Now, but now it's, even if you know how to ride a bike, you still need like 8% of just rabbit's foot luck to, to hold speed. Totally. Um, and go down because it's scary. Um, so that's where the high, so I can, I get where you're at. You're like, I don't want to go out here and just hike a bike. You're not, yeah. you're just going to, there's going to be spots where you're like, wow, there was like no other way to get there. Um, in, and you're going to be carrying your bike on your shoulder and some of it. And like, like you're going to be like, how do I carry this bike? There's no good way. To, I hate this bike. And then you're going to come out and you're going to come across a river crossing and get into a little bit of a Jeep road area where it's much more manageable. And you're going to get some Ticos, some local Costa Ricans handing you bags of Coca-Cola and, and you're going to go, where did you guys come from? And they're just celebrating the hell out of you. And you just, you forget. How long is the jungle section? Well, it's the whole, first it's the day. whole day. Yeah. Okay. Like you're going to so you, you do a little bit of dirt road. You murder yourself through the jungle. And then you have like a combination of dirt farm road, dirt roads, Jeep roads that are exiting the jungle uh-huh. to get you close to, um, close to the, the end the, of the, first the finished day. day, a little preserve. Yeah. So we've count on, 10 days, a lot of mud. Should I bring? 10 hours, a lot of mud. There, yeah, 10 hours. Um, a lot of mud. A couple of questions that popped up in my brain. I got these fancy smancy tested as the fastest rolling tire on the market. Um, Continental Race Kings on my bike. Should I bring something with some tread or? Great question. So there's so much mud that whatever you bring is going to be greased up right away. Okay. And so I wrestled with that you know, for two years of it and found out that like a small block tire that can clear mud the best uh-huh. is going to be my best. And it carries the least. So when your bike it has least, right. 40 pounds of mud instead of 42 pounds of mud. So race King rear cross King front. Stick with, stick with what I got. Yeah. It, Cause it, it because cares. then on the second two days, it's probably going to pay bigger dividends. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, shoot, I know a guy, he brought two bikes. He brought hardtail and full, full squish, two different bikes for the, you know, day one, full squish, day two, hardtail, day three, uh, he brought squish because we were doing the railroad ties. Um, so, I mean, bringing extra tires, we should bring an extra tire too. I mean, you we're going to get it. I'm going to petition for a care package for yeah. some, from some people. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, small block tire, clearing mud. Okay. And then something that you can push into a corner and like feel good about on the yeah. front. Okay. And I thought maybe you were going to ask me about shoes. Oh, that was the next question was like, should I bring a second pair of shoes for days two and three? Oh, well, you need to bring multiple shoes, period, because LaRuda eats shoes. Okay. <laughs> Didn't like, you I, put a pair of your shoes in the trash can at, in Costa Rica or something? Yeah, they stayed there in the trash. Now, the <laughs> other pair I tried to salvage, but you know, we're, we're talking about Costa Rica, right? So it doesn't ever get dry. So if something's wet, it's just going to be wet forever, uh-huh. right? Like you put it outside to dry. Like in Colorado, you put something outside to dry and it's thirsty by the morning, right? right? So I threw one pair away and the other pair- They I, needed to go anyway. They, they were done. They, the other pair, you know, I tried to clean them with soap. I tried to clean them with, I was using every sort of solvent. And then I just take them out in the ocean because we stayed for like four days afterwards. And I'm in the salt water and just letting them like, you know, yeah. rinse and rinse and- and they still, to this day, they still smell like Laruda. And I'm just too cheap to throw them away. But they, they have no business coming. So the shoes will get soaked on day one. Yeah. And they won't be clean until you come back. Or they won't be dry, rather, until you come back to Colorado. Okay. So you need a second pair at least for day two and three. Yeah. Um, but I thought you maybe asked me about a more walkable shoe. 
Oh, I'm not worried about that. Okay, good. I, you know, people have asked those questions about courses being different. So, um, I remember Victor's asked this question to our buddy, to Josh, uh, Tostada, who races professionally. This is his career. He's riding yeah. bikes, right? I remember he asked Josh on a couple of different races. He's like, well, would you race your trail bike? Because it's a really chunky course. And Josh looked at him like, like seven heads just jumped out of his mouth. And he's like, it's a bike race, dude. You always race your race bike. Sure. Like you never, like there's never an advantage, right? So in terms of a walkable shoe, people will be like, oh, should I, with Leadville, like should I wear a shoe I can walk in more because I'm going to hike power line and hike the top of Columbine? No, because you're going to spend most of the time pedaling a race. So wear a race shoe. Yeah. So uh, for my experience to have like a less like racer boy approach to it and more of just like a practical, I've done both. Um, the last one year of Leadville, I had a, a Giro Terradura, which at the time was marketed as like a stiff, but walkable shoe. And I used it and it was fine. Um, but it's heavy, heavy shoe. Um, and the first time that I ever really noticed a heavy shoe was that year. You know, you're, that's just, it's a, they, they get fucking heavy. It's not a carbon sole, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then I've since said the hell with that. And the last, uh, the last Leadville that I did, as well as all of Breck Epic, which had some hike a bike, just because getting off the bike so it hurts different happens. Um, well, and Wheeler. There's not like net net. There's not really a big difference in how much it sucks to push your bike up a hill with a shoe that bends a little bit. Check out this awesome fact or little tidbit that just came across my little desk yesterday. So Leadville this year, 2021 Leadville is going to be crazy stacked, like crazy stacked. Um, yeah, a ton of top, con- top, top, like top. Continental pros are like there to put, yeah put like it's a lot of them didn't make it to the Olympics. Well, so. so we have one rider in the Olympics. He got 14th. Yep. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> So we have one rider in That's the That's awesome for him, by the way. Dude, it's amazing. It's so That's good. awesome for the And US he started cycling. way back. Yeah. So stud there. But we only have one dude in the Olympics, and then we don't have anyone racing World Cup, and World Cup also got disrupted by the Olympics. And so there's not these massive stages. Mm-hmm. Leadville is stacked. So Regan Swenson's gonna be there. That's what we're gonna talk about right now. Here's what Keegan's doing for the one hundred. So Current just one national championship, right? And uh, short track XC. and XCO. And uh, he's riding road pedals and road shoes. And when asked about it, he said, Yeah, they're lighter, they're stiffer, way better transfer of power. Yeah. And if I have to walk, I need to be punished for it. And so that's my punishment. <laughs> that's what he said. He, uh, how cool is that? That's like, awesome. If he had, so you know, that's his, that's his trick in his head. And I learned this when I was riding with one of our riders um, yesterday on the course. And yeah, I said, you know what I said to him? I go, isn't that cool to hear that even like the fastest guy in the U.S. because Blevins is still in uh, in Japan uh, and didn't probably didn't race nationals. No, he didn't because he was over there. So, so the currently the fastest mountain biker that's in the country right now still needs to have mental tricks to like have an edge. You yeah, know, and absolutely. so we we all do, but I think some of us feel like weak because we we have our own little like oh. tricks, and we're like, man. I bet that guy does. Every guy, every, every race, person, yeah, every person has a has trick. Tricks. Um, quick sidebar. Yeah. So Blevins beat Swenson at every World Cup that they raced. 
leading into the Olympics. Does Blevins beat Swenson at nationals next year? No. So this, and this I was talking to Tony here at the shop about is that, you know, certain formats just bode well for certain types of racers. Uh And Keegan wins everything in the U S right. And performs poorly in Europe. Uh Blevins crushes in Europe, but has performed behind Keegan in the U S. It's just like, you know, sometimes we just we we have our character. Yeah. And we're like, well, this is how it goes. Right now, who knows? I mean, maybe Blevins comes back and he's because he's leveled up so hard against everybody else. Maybe he does come back and next year spanks the pants on I everybody. Mean, he was consistently top fifteen at UCI World Cup, and I think Keegan's best finish was forty eighth. Yeah, no, he well, he races terrible in that format. Yeah. So um, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see next year. You know, it's weird with. When I watch these courses, even the Tokyo course, you know, they build these courses. Yeah. So they're very much like cyclocross where there was never a mountain bike trail here. And we have this hillside. They moved boulders and they cut trail. Right. Like if you watch them, even watching UCI, if you watch them, that rock feature was never, it's it's just laying in the side of a grassy hill because they want it spectator friendly. So it's a huge open space. And then they're building and they half them finish on like concrete pump tracks. Like they're just... They're goofy in how they're built. And, you know, I believe, like, uh, the Olympics had a, a prelude lap and then seven more laps. Yeah, they always have a, a start lap for some Yeah, reason. and then seven this, laps. Yeah. And, but Nationals is, Nationals is on a mountain. Well, at least this year, it's, it's on, on a mountain, mountain bike trail. It's a mountain bike trail. And it's just this loop. You just go. Yeah. So, you know, who knows? Yeah. No, I just. These two, they'll both be off the front. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we're bouncing to Leadville a lot. Um, well, I think regardless that, of when this episode comes out, guys, understand that Leadville's in like three weeks. Yeah, from what we're talking <laughs> about now. Um, um, but there's a lot of parallel between like uh, yeah. riding Leadville and doing Laruda. Sure. It's just like pre- prepare your mind to have your body feel like, all right, I did Leadville on Saturday. And I woke up. It's now Sunday, and I got to do like another Leadville. I. That's the feeling. Part of what I think I'm going to do at Leadville this year yep. is go for a ride yep. the morning after. Well, I don't are. want to. No, well, you are. That's but, your training plan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's, yeah. Le- Remember I told you some, like, last week or so, I said, no, Leadville's just part of your training plan. You're like, Leadville's not going to be my, my marquee, like, definitive moment of the season. It's LaRuda. So I go, yeah, no, as a matter of fact, we're just going to make that part of your training plan. Yeah. No. We're, and, and, we're riding Sunday. And it's not to say that I'm looking through Leadville because that's, that would be one foolish and Way two foolish. like it, just not a thing. But when I tell you I don't have stress about Leadville right now, like understand I have no stress about Leadville. Um, that also comes with just being my so, fourth one, yeah, so intimate with it, right? Yeah. Like we're both going into our fourth Leadville this year, and you know, you close your eyes and run the whole course. I will tell you, having ride, ridden it yesterday, you know, like we did a month ago as well, you may know it, but man, like. Riding up Columbine still, you get to the spot where you go, this is six miles. They said it's six miles. Yeah. And uh, still, it, I'm not at the top. Yeah. Like, it's six and a half. Where do they start the six from? This is crap. <laughs> well, and there's all sorts of little stuff that you just forget. Um, so, we tire shoes day one. Day two, grinder. Day three, again, most likely just kind of a fast, fun day. Overall, yeah, I um, not to say it's not a bike race, and not to say that it's not challenging, 
but it's 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 like the last day of Breck Epic. Like the last day of Breck Epic was still thirty six miles and still forty two hundred feet of climbing. Yeah, whoever saw that, that said that that was a soft toss. Like I know it, that it that's felt their, like it. Your, that's their words too. That's why yeah. we use. That's why yeah. you used it. And we, but I'll tell you what. No, like I was definitely riding up that road from the backside of the pa- of Boreas Pass, and being <laughs> like, "Ain't nothing soft no. about what's happening right now." Yeah, but but they it was such a perfectly balanced day, right? Right. Because right. you had a single track climb, you had a fire road climb to aid station outbound where they had donuts. If you're a donut eater. Badass downhill single track next. Like, the be- one of the best downhills in Colorado. That I've ever done. Um, so good. And then you just loop back around onto a fire road climb that at no point is higher than a 4% grade. Yeah, yeah, chill. And then awesome descent all the way back to the finish line. Yeah. Not a single pedal stroke needed um, on the way back. And so, you know, it's it's a celebratory day. So it's not to say, yeah, we still rode almost 40 miles and we still did over 4,000 feet of climbing, but it was so well balanced in what that was and how it was mixed up that it felt easy and fun and like a celebration of the event. Well, and the, the other way that I think that they verse that as like a soft toss is after five days of racing, this being the sixth, no one's going to move enough in your position. Right. Right. Like like after five days of racing, if you're in a spot like you're in that, so if you're in 13th place, you're probably in 13th probably place because there. there's not enough of a disparity between fast and slow people on the sixth day to make a lot of room. Yeah. Now, granted, yeah, if you're within a minute of somebody, it yeah. can be. But the top five or 10 people. It's pretty much, you know, you're going to be set where you're at. So you can ride it with like less of a anxiety about how you finish. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I felt the most was just like, well, you kind of are where you are, you know? Yeah. Um, so... But day two starts, you know, all these days start early. Like you start the ride day like one and day two, right? right? You start with sunrise. Yeah. Right. So um, that's, a, that's a hard thing to get because you're, you know, you and I have a two hour rule, right? If the race is at eight, you get up at six. Yeah. Right. And so when the race starts at 530, you're up at 330. Yeah. So that's what's, Ugh. that's what's the deal, yeah. you know, you know, like trying to eat then and get ready then. But specifically day two starts in, in the city. Right. And so when you start in the city, dark on pavement, like there's a, there's a crispness to it. Mm -hmm. You didn't start on the ocean, on the beach. You're starting like in elevation in a city. So it's chilly. Remember I had, you know, you have jackets on all the things. And then it's just a slowly warm, you slowly warm up as the day slowly warms up. And so it just starts to feel stretched out and long when really it's shorter than day, day one. Right. Just because you can conceivably pedal more at a higher yeah, speed higher average speed for the day. Yeah, but you, and you you feel yourself you go in and out of like you go from a big city to small towns to no towns to a small town to a like where does this thing finish? Yeah, um, so fun and just what you can cover in that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then day three we finish on a beach. Finish on a beach. Start I'm, on a beach. Finish on a beach. Not really a beach guy, but I think I feel like in that moment I'll be a beach guy. Yeah, I, in, I'm the same way. So I should say I'm not really a sand guy. I'm not a sand guy either. But when you finish <laughs> in the sand on your bike and you just toss it to the person that just the Sherpa that takes your bike to corral, and then you walk fully clothed directly into the into ocean, the ocean. You know, yeah. Um, that's a damn good feeling. Um, and you know, you mentioned the Sherpa. One of my big lessons from Breck Epic was, a pay for the mechanic. Oh yeah. Just pay for it. It's when you think of all the 
cognitive load of I have to eat, sleep, recover, and be prepared for the next day of racing, and then add to that that I have to make sure my fucking bike works right. No, no, not doing it. <laughs> you want to? Um, this is as you said that. I had a conversation with one of our riders on our team last week, and uh, he was struggling a bit with getting over some hurdles. Like he he was going out and doing rides that he always does, but they were becoming such more like so much more of a struggle for him. Like he was just, he was, man, I'm not like riding that fast. Like I've never had to walk that part or this was harder than it was. Like, uh, I just, I threw in the towel one day and just turned around and went home. Like just getting kind of defeated. And that happens like when you're training a lot, like when you have a huge workload, and we've talked about this on the podcast a bunch. When you're training a lot, you tend to feel like shit. Like you're beat up. Even yeah, until, if you're, until you, that, but it's right. You're, aren't you balancing? Yeah, I mean like, Fitness goes up, fatigue goes up, fitness up, fatigue up, fitness yeah. up. Like, so at some of your peak form, you feel like crap, right? Yeah. And so he was struggling with that so much so that it was really putting him down. Like, man, I don't know. It's a hard lesson to learn. Right. So you know what I said? I go, you ain't going to finish your big event this year. He's got one big, huge event. And I go, you're not going to finish it. Oh, yes, I will. I mean – just telling you, like, the attitude that you're telling me you have, that guy does not finish it. Oh, there's no way I don't finish. Okay. okay well, that guy needs to right. show up to the training why, ride. Why does this guy show up on Tuesday and Thursday and Friday? And it, it really it boils down to, to what's on the line. When you're out riding by yourself or you're doing just a training ride, there's, a not, there's not a lot on the line. As a matter of fact, I even tell people you can never make a training ride harder but you can make a training ride easier. Like you just don't have it today because there's more damage to be done by just forcing it for the most part and most of the time. But when you have a lot on the line, you tend to come through. Check this out. After day one, no matter how you feel in Costa Rica after day one, like you're going to wake up. I remember I woke up on day two and I'm like having a hard time walking a little bit. I go, dude, there's no way my ass is going on a seat. Like I am beat up. But what are you going to do? not do the race you just flew to Costa Rica to do. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I, I've always, always, always been hyper aware of the cost of, of doing these events. Um, and not only to you too, to like the people well, in your no, world. That's, that's what I mean. Like, like the monetary cost aside, the sore muscles, the sore ass, the, you know, the whatever, like the cost is bigger than the cost. Like right. the cost is my wife who is processing a death in her family being willing to just be like, yeah, you need to go for a four hour training ride on Sunday. You go right ahead. You know, like there's, there's hidden costs and they're massive. Um, and to, okay. Yeah, sure. The money to, get to Costa Rica to sign up for it, to have all this stuff, to have the bike, to have the food, to have the nutrition, to have the kits. Okay. Those are real monetary costs, but like, what's the cost of doing all that shit to not finish it? Yeah. I mean, and that's what I mean. Like it's like the rest of that shit could be free. Right. Right. And the cost of all the people, like think of the layers of people that have to be good people in your life for us to be able to go to Costa Rica. I have to have amazing staff who 
will wash the store and take care of it and do everything the way it's supposed to be done. I have to have an amazing wife who will be like, yeah, we never, ever travel internationally. So I guess we'll burn a match on your stupid bike race. Like, like the costs are massive. Um, and so, yeah, to wake up, like my leg will have to be off. Right. And then, and not be able to get like a prosthetic (laughs) that I can attach. Or just like tie my foot to the other pedal and like put a tourniquet, like, like it would have, I, I don't know exactly what the scenario is for me to not finish or to not go to day two, to not go to day three. Um, but it would have to be pr- like a pretty massive health risk. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I saw one person, um, so Larissa Connors, and she's a beast of an endurance racer. She's won the NUE and super, super tough chick. And she ended up on day one getting heat exhaustion to a really bad, like to the like. I had passed her, um, and she looked a little beat up. I'm like, are you okay? And she had a trail vehicle with her, which is not allowed, but she had a trail. And she was <laughs> slotted to win and all that stuff. Yeah. So she had a trail vehicle, and I was like, well, your ve- your truck's back there. So, like, just wave them, but you look, like, in a bad way. Well, she was in a super bad way to the point that when she got up on day two, her body hadn't rebounded. Like, she's pissing brown, and, like, mm. it was yeah, game bad. over. So, yeah. you know, that's that's one of those rare instances. But short of that. And let's be real, like, you have to push so hard to get to that level and, like, ignore all the signals of, like, hey, you're in a bad way. Realistically, no part of my experience is going to mirror her experience. Right, yeah. So, uh, but, yeah, man, I mean, and everyone's in the same boat, right? Everyone's just, like, kind of, like, hobbling. You know, we have a huge discussion to go over about this. We need to talk about what outfits we're wearing all three days. Yeah, we definitely do. Um before we do that, though, <laughs> uh, I do want to. So we have carefully curated uh, a pretty good and reliable nutrition plan. Yeah. How much does that just go out the window at this race? Oh no, that's the plan I'm running. Well, what I mean is, what is the viability? Like, what's the is there drop bags? Like, oh yeah, what's the on course? Because gotcha. You've mentioned loosely that there are some aid and it's kind of a little like it's dudes with bags of Coke, um, Coca-Cola. Um. <laughs> the way you said dudes with bags of Coke, it was how you've said it. Like you've well, said that before, but you meaning saw, the you other stuff. You saw me correct it. I don't super know those dudes fast. over there with bags of Coke. <laughs> um, but like, you know, we're, we're a bunch of like, kind of like prima donna, Right, little group of fellas when it comes to what we eat and how much of it and what our nutrition plan is and blah blah blah. So, so like, yeah, what's so, the reality there? Yeah, so they don't have drop bags. Um, you can't set up drop bags. They do have fully stocked aid stations. Okay, they have the state like they'll have the heat. You know, I yeah. think I think it is a it is a hammer. So they have like heat and okay. um, goo packs and things like that. Um, but this is. So this is one of those rare instances where I'm going to be like, oh, don't worry, Harley. This is my third time doing it. I got us. Right. So Amir will be there as well, who uh-huh. I was with at High Cascades, and I'll be with him in Piers Hole here at the beginning of August. He's got friends that live there, and they're going to run support on day one for us. Okay. So day one is really the day like where you're going to want your stuff. Okay. And so they're going to have an aid vehicle, and so we're going to have drop bags with them. Now that said – they're going to be moving at Amir's pace, which in the two times I've done it, he has as well. And my pace has been just a little, sorry, buddy, faster than his. And it's worked out really well for me, 
But last year or two years ago, rather, Derek was part of this, and they just left his stuff. Okay. So um, we'll have our own. So I plan to do what I do now. I plan to do Carbon Rocket the whole time. Mm-hmm. Just bang, bang, bang. Now, if I'm doing Carbon Rocket the whole time, and somebody hands me a bag of Coca-Cola, I'm drinking the bag of Coca-Cola. Sure. Right? Or bags of water. Or but in terms of like calories, yeah. I'm going to do that. Day two, we're going to have them as well. And then day three, you won't need aid. Right. Now, all that aside, the first year, we didn't have, I didn't have those guys. Dude, I just ate what the aid station had. Okay. You know, like I brought on bike. I used a little gas tank bag. And I had my, at the time, what I was doing, waffles, goose, pickle juices, a hot shot. A little spark stick pack, a little biocharge stick. So I had them all in just a little gas tank bag so I could just rely on water at the aid stations and then make my own mixes. That was going to be my next question because um, I was able to pivot and I got a training ride in yesterday um, on the tail end of some not amazing food. Uh, and I just brought – I was like, I know I want to be out for four hours, so I did. I created two bottles. And then I had two sample packs or two single-serve packs of, of Carbo Rocket. And it worked like a charm. Yeah, and that's would, what that's what I would that's what we should set up to do. Right. Now just you, use their water. Yeah. Now if you get to an aid station and they're making like one year they had like uh like fried potato tacos. Yeah. I'm eating one. I fucking ate one. Yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, like that stuff that stuff's okay. Um fruit, fruits all yeah. I gave a I gave a pluot. I love pluots. I got two of them with me today. I gave a pluot to one of our riders coming down from Columbine yesterday. And the rule with Carbo Rocket, my rule with Carbo Rocket, is you can't eat anything else because it's it's really you're, you're maximizing the amount of carbohydrate you can take in. It's a lot of food. So you can't add on to it. And if you do add, you have to add water. We talked about this two episodes ago. Fruit's different because fruit, while it has sugar and calories, also has water in it. It's mostly water. So it works. With, fruit is amazing. So like I'll eat any piece of fruit out there. I'm taking it down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so we'll plan station. for that. Yeah. Uh, we'll have drops and then maybe you have like uh, the gas tank bag was really helpful. I also put my own lube in there. Uh, I think I'm going to like, I've been kind of resisting riding with a bag, but I think on some of these rides, um, you kind of have to just ride with a bag um, or some sort of bag because, you know, we're all committed to going packless. Well, I'm about to break our own pack rule. Let me tell you about this. I mean, I'm the king of hard and fast rules, right? You like you use this phrase all the time, fire ready aim. Yeah. And sometimes with my with my big life philosophies, I do that. So I'm like, I'm anti-pack, right? I'm just anti-pack dude. Yeah. Just what do you have it for? That said, I did win an orange mud hydration vest. And coming up here in September, I have the Margie Gessick which is a hundred mile point to point in the upper peninsula of Michigan. And there's no aid. So there's trail angels. There are people out there that provide stuff. Surely they say you cannot count on it though. They're there every year. Mm-hmm. You can't bank on it and you cannot receive on, on course support from your own people. You can only receive support that's universally available to every racer, but it's a point to point hundred miler with no race transportation, no SAG, no bailout, no aid stations. So I think without contradicting yourself, you can still stay hard and fast, but the modification of the hard and fast rule becomes um, race with the appropriate equipment at all times. Right. 
Race with what you need, for sure. Like, if the appropriate equipment for that is a pack. pack, Four bottles. Guess what? You got to roll it. Like, you know. And and that's what, um, I'm trying to get my head around it. And then (laughs) I was reading the write-up for the Vapor Trail 125, this race out of Salida that I mentioned earlier. And even in their write-up, they they say, like, first off, this this is gnarly. And they said, if you're used to doing really well in races, but you also roll with one or two bottles light and fast, you will not be successful in this race. Like this is like a backcountry, bury yourself, be able to support yourself sort of race. And that's how Margie Gessick looks. And, uh, you know, arguably that's how day one in the jungle could look like you, it may, it may be carrying a bit more than normal just because you don't know your time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I'm, I have no expectation, and so if you tell me that like you know my fitness, you know what my capabilities are, if you're gonna sit there and tell me like, dude, you're probably gonna spend at the most ten hours out there, then I'll just plan on ten hours, and then I'm not gonna be like I, I won't just be like, oh fuck it, I have ten hours. But if if I if I get across that day's finish line with two extra packs of Carbo Rocket, I'm not gonna be sad that I carried them. You want a little tip on the packages, though? As much as I like the fact you can buy single-serve packages from them. They're a nightmare to get open with gloves on. No. so I got so mad yesterday. And, like, <laughs> and the powder feels like super densely packed in there, uh-huh. but there's a lot of extra package around it. Uh-huh. So both um, Elander and I have been doing this. We've been taking Carbo Rocket on our rides. Just open them up and throw them in Ziplocs. Because okay. then you can – I mean, it'll be a third of the size of those sure. preloaded. I did notice that You yesterday. could fit three – Ziploc, three different Cobra Rocket servings in just one jersey pocket. Yeah. Yeah, I had two, and it, like, took up... The whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah, no, no. You got to use a Ziploc. And um, not to mention those packages, it's, like, pretty rigid plastic. So you have Doesn't your really jersey move, pocket. Yeah. And, like, it's just annoying. Um, rest and recovery. I'm, I'm hopeful that um, we recover really well just because we'll be... I think the highest point is what thirty five hundred feet or something. Yeah, I mean we'll have that at play. Uh, hey we, man, I'll take it. We're gonna take two point six gallons of amp lotion. <laughs> so um, they offer massage after every day. I've never done it, but yeah. I will have my Theragun. Oh, I'm, I'm all the way. I'll on. I'll have our travel Normatex. I'm all the way on the amp before. Yep. Which. It shouldn't work, but whatever. It fucking does. Just like the stupid oval chain ring. So mad about that. Um, and the the Theragun pre-ride. Yeah. I did both of those things before Silver Rush. So good. And it was, it, I mean, your legs just feel so much more awake. And then I didn't do either of them before my ride yesterday, and my legs felt heavy and sluggish. Yeah, the Theragun pre-ride Theragun, I'm all over it. The amp, It's almost like ritual now if i so i didn't wear amp yesterday i usually keep a bottle everywhere so i have a bottle at the gym (laughs) i have all my bottles at the house i have a bottle in my bike bin that i take everywhere well i finished the one in the bike bin and i didn't replace it and so i went to put my amp on yesterday morning and i was like oh gonna go without amp today no amp today Um, and uh you know it it was it was fine but i definitely noticed a difference which sure. is which is wild and i noticed the difference in how my legs feel today yeah. more tender than they should be um but we'll be amping we'll be theragunning and then when you get done you know it's eat and drink eat and drink and then and then it's 
don't do a lot. Yeah, and right. go to bed at like seven thirty. Fortunately, we did it at, Bre- <laughs> at Breck Epic. Yeah, go yeah. to bed early. We did it at Breck Epic, and I think I thought we were really good at it. Like we were really oh, we had just on our schedule. I the first two days were hard, and then by the sixth day, I could have done it forever. Six more days. Yeah, forever. Exactly. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you just you we had everything pretty nailed down. Yeah, and so we'll do that just with um, you know not being able to communicate with anyone helping us. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I oh got man, like it, it's so weird to have the, the mix of emotions. Cause like there's a nervousness to something that feels as big as traveling outside of the country. Uh, but there's also like an excitement. Um, and then there's the, uh, you know, the gravy afterwards, which is then you're in Costa Rica for a while with your friends and. You can do that. You know, every day out there was the first time was so surreal that that I was out there doing a race in another country. And then the second day, the second trip, I still had that too. And even today, when I go and I travel to most of these races I travel to, I've never done them before. So I'm in cities I've never been, and there's all this like majestic uniqueness surrounding these things until it's three, two, one, go, and then it's just a bike race. Like no matter where I am, like as soon as the, the as soon as it's gun start of the race, it's just whoosh, bike racer, and it is super comfortable because I'm comfortable racing, right? And so no matter where I've been, and I think that'll be the that'll be a really cool ebb and flow of our emotions out there. Is that yeah? But once it starts, we're just racing bikes. Yeah, that's like that common thing for however many hours a day. But then we're gonna take a chill trip back to the other side to fly out. Yeah, right? I mean, we're going to go... like vacation. So, yeah, when we finish, we'll then go... We're going to drive all the way back to the uh, West Coast, and we're going to hang out for a few Because our ridiculously patient wives are going to come deal with 3.30 wake-ups and shuttles and driving um, for three days of us bike racing. So, this is going to be a weird part of it, because <laughs> the first year, you know, we'd never been there, and so... Abby and I had a rental, and it was just the two of us. We didn't know anyone, obviously, and I was cheap, so I did, like, everything on the cheap, and so I was, I was washing my own bike and doing all that crap. <laughs> and at the same time, I didn't want her to go and just be my assistant, right? Which is horrible for her. Yeah. So I go, dude, I don't care when you come or show up or, like, just do you. Just be there at the finish. Well, I didn't have good anticipation on when the finishes would be, and there's no way to track me. Cause I don't like carrying my phone or doing it. So every day she showed up like crazy late to uh, when I finished and I didn't pay for any of the stuff. So I'm like still on my soggy there. shit, right. dirty. I don't have my stuff. And everyone around me is like lounging out and eating and drinking. They're all like, ha ah, this is so fun. And I'm like, man, this is some bullshit. And, and it just, it wasn't, it wasn't that seamless, but I said, I don't care when you show up. Right. So then the second year, I was like, yeah, I mean, I totally care when you show up. So <laughs> I really the, it in- intensely yeah. and intimately mm-hmm. care when you show up. And so the vacation's after. So we'll do the vacation thing, but it's, yeah. it's after these three days. Yeah. And she was amazing and like always on. And like, I mean, she crashed the van and, and cost thousands of dollars of uninsured damage. But other than that, like. Forgot about that. <laughs> she, she, was, she was always there. And it was. Now, this year, we got the your wife factor. Yeah. So there will now be two of them that aren't racing, and we won't want them to make it all about us. And we have a lot of us racing. 
So we're going to have to massage this situation where it's like, hey, like no stress, but be at the finish line. <laughs> but like really enjoy your time also. But like literally not going to wait a fucking minute. Yeah. But we're going to buy all the extra stuff so that we have it a little bit yeah. more relaxed to wait for them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's going to happen. Like day two, they're going to wake up. We're going to go do our thing. And they're going to go back to the hotel. And they're like, oh, there's this yoga class over here. Oh, there's this, hey, let's go to this freaking smish, 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 smish. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Like, Because right. there's two of them. Which they should because they're in Costa Rica and they don't give a shit about the bike race. Right. So they should absolutely do that. Yeah. But also like kind of but be also there be at the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, I, there is a wild card factor. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but there's some other spouses coming as well, right? So yeah. what's our crew? Cause it's me, it's you, obviously, uh, Abby and Molly, um, Amir, uh, Scott, Scott Beck. No, Jeff no, Murphy. Jeff Murphy. Sorry. Um, uncle mental, uncle mental, is Jeff bringing his significant other? Don't know yet. Don't know. Is Amir? Don't, Don't. think so. Okay. Don't know. Okay. Um, we got um, his his name on Strava. If you want to follow him, is, is Rabbit Sanchez Jr. It's hilarious. <laughs> Out of Tennessee, we're just gonna name, love name that. I love um, it. He's a stud. He's gonna be there also. Him and Amir will be battling pretty hard. Um, and then Mental's going solo. No, we don't know. Pretty sure he's going solo. Yeah. Um, not a thousand percent. Yeah. Um, but maybe, maybe. Well, the point is, is that if if they don't show up, we got plenty of other people to like be in our group. Well, and and less that, but just like if there's like a little bit more solidarity in if there's five dudes racing bikes and five significant others not racing bikes, then they can they can kind of have their own agenda yeah, in, yeah, until yeah. finish line time. Yeah, until finish line. Um, yeah. And like feel good about it and, you know, have people to hang out with. And, you know, just like we have the bike race people to hang out with, they'll have the the people who got drug along to the bike race to hang out with. Keep in mind, we're not taking them to Highlands Ranch or like, you know. <laughs> totally. Leadville. Totally. Even yeah. though Leadville's getting like cooler and cooler every, every time. time you go there. Um, they're, they're still like, yeah, you got to be here in a jungle. Yeah, like where you've never been, which is pretty yeah. pretty awesome. So, and then we'll like I'm 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 super excited for you know whatever we have budgeted three or two or three days of, of hanging out back on the the west coast. This be sweet. We're gonna be surfing. I mean, again, not really a beach guy, but I think in that scenario you kind of have to embrace being a yeah. beach guy. Like, yeah. Like just get over your OCD and just know that sand is everywhere. Yeah. No, that's. Everything that you go down there with is going to come back smelling weird, and it's just going to either all go to the dumpster <laughs> or into like a giant, like, like incredible washing machine. Right. Um, training. You ready? Yeah. I've been waiting to tell you this, but this has got to start pretty soon. Not really soon yet. Starting the Sunday after Leadville. Uh huh. Okay. You have century a week. Not in totality. One century. You have to ride, in addition to other rides, sure, I get one it. road I, century a week. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I hear you. And I'm fine with it. Yeah. I mean, my volume, I had two dicey weeks because, well, not dicey weeks. Like, I had the rest week between Fire Rush, or Fire Rush, Firecracker and Silver Rush, um, where, you know, we've covered this. Yeah. You kind of have to, it's a delicate balance of right. not losing fitness, feeling recovered, et cetera. So I had a super low volume week that week, except for that I then went and did a 50-mile race at the end of it. Um, but you told me 
last week, 125 miles a week. And I got like just shy 800 TSS last week with 120 miles. And also brought up no easy spin days. Right. Right. Like those, cause those are usually part of a, of a load program, a power yeah. training program or yeah. FTB program where you have an easy spin day. But yeah, but we don't have that luxury. Like you can't just spin it. So I'll, I'll ask questions not to contradict, but more just to gain understanding. Yeah. Um, first question is, does that mean, let's say I have five bike days. They all just have to be X percent, like zone two or better, or, you know, high zone two or better every time. Um, and then, uh, but then I can have a mobility day as a quote unquote recovery day right. to, to have some adaptations happen and not just feel run over by a truck. Right. So, you know, a strength day, not on the bike. Yeah. A mobility day, not on the bike. Right. All the other days on the bike, but only two of them is intensities. Right. And then the other couple of, or a few of them at an endurance level or more. Now, mm -hmm. we don't, you know, I look at, we use the my zone, right? So I look at my average intensity. Mm -hmm. Even if it's an intense ride, my average intensity color is like a green, like 70s, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and a lot of times my endurance rides, the average intensity is like in the blue, like the sixties, right? You'll spend a lot of time doing easy spinning just by the nature of, I tried really hard up this hill and then I just coasted on the backside. Mm -hmm. So the average intensities will be off. What I meant by that was we have scripted in the past, you know, 45 minutes, easy spinning where we do either on a bike path or like typically indoor, you mm -hmm. know, and in order to get the body to to be more um, conditioned to this, I'm going to get beat up again. Okay, I'm going to get beat up again. Okay, I'm going to get beat up again. Okay, just none of those days. You may mm. spend a day where 45 minutes of the hour 15 were easy spinning, but mm. there were like two 15-minute hard segments in there. Yeah, do you pepper in some 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 hard work? Right, yeah. Um, okay, I think I thought I had two questions, but maybe I rolled them all into one. Cool, So awesome. that's that's where the off days and the... Yeah. Um, now, the century a week... The purpose behind that, it doesn't matter what the intensity is. Right. 100 miles is 100 miles. It fixes it, right? <laughs> yeah. It's a duration thing. Yeah. And uh, the, the purpose behind doing that every week is that that's a tall order. Like, I'm going to do it with you. We're going to do, you know, not necessarily ride with you, but I'm going to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's a bitch because there's a lot of days you're like, dude, there's no way I want to go out and ride for between five and six hours. Right. Right? But that's what, like, day two feels like. Sure. Right? And so it's just the ability to, to almost just get over the hurdle and be like, all right, I'm going to go do this. Every time you see 100 on your Strava, yeah. it just feels awesome. Sure. Um, what does that – so right now the prescription has been kind of like 10 hours, 100 to 120 miles. I mean, am I going to 200-mile weeks? Am I going to 15-hour weeks? So when you go out and do a century a week, what bike are you riding? I'm riding my road bike for, for sure. sure. For sure. <laughs> so then the other four rides of the week, you're riding your mountain bike. Okay. And maybe it's just – so you figure like literally an eight mile loop on the mountain bike. So right. what, right? You go to Green Mountain. It's a thousand feet, nine and a half miles. Probably. Maybe you amp it up one day. You take your squishy bike, go to Apex. Right. Right. But yeah, I mean, those so days, almost in a weird sort of way, the fun factor on the mountain bike rides go goes up. Goes way up. You get the work done. You're on doing the, the work yeah. on the boring bike where some guy on a cell phone is probably going to mow you down. Um, but then after that, it's freestyle for the rest of the week right. to a certain point. Yeah. Not to say you should you know, 
be lazy about it, but no, but like when you like where you are right now, where I go, Hey, you need 120 miles a week, yeah. 125 a week. Every mountain bike ride is like, damn, I gotta do like 20, 25. Yeah. Like that means it's my XC bike yep. and it's that type of ride, yeah. but no, yeah, you're going to get away with now. You do a century on Sunday, right. Monday, you do a mobility day, yeah. Tuesday, you're going to go ride Dakota Ridge. So then again, just so everybody has an idea. I mean, we'll probably be looking at still 12 ish hours. A week? Yeah, I mean, depending on... Yeah, you're going to be 12. 12-ish hours, 150-ish miles a week, probably. 150, 170, somewhere in there. Okay. Cool. But that starts the Sunday after Leadville. Right. I'm not doing a century the day after Leadville. I'll go for a 20-mile ride. Yeah, we're going to go ride the college trails. (laughs) What we'll do is we'll get our buckles, and then we'll go ride the college trails right afterwards for like an hour. Let's wake up super early, go ride, then get our buckles, and then go see everybody finish at Carter Park for Breck Epic. Sounds cool. Let's uh, see how you feel about that, getting up super early. Um, I mean, I'm going to be in bed at 8.30. Leadville. I'm going to be in bed hey, at we got to get up at 6. <laughs> like, it would actually be really good Yeah, just to do it. I mean, I I, I have a time in mind for Leadville. Um, it's not sub-9, um, but I have a time in mind based on what I did at Silver Rush. Um, I think we'll be able to get to bed plenty early just to get up. Well, and actually, we're going to ride in the morning's way easier. We're going to ride from – we're in Copper. So we're going to do ride at Copper. Yeah. So we'll just wake up, and we'll do a ride right there. We're going to be able to pop up and go do a sweet loop on Copper Mountain and then be done and then go back to Leadville for the deal. And then hightail it to Breck. For sure, for the finish. Because Chad is – Chad and Rob. Chad and Rob. So we got to go see them finish at Carter Park yeah. if we can make it in time. Oh, we'll make it in time, no problem. Okay. Yeah, we'll make the finish in time. Yeah, that's what I mean. Not the start. Remember, the, the start was kind of hard. <laughs> the start would be impossible. Well, <laughs> like on time start was impossible. <laughs> hour later start wasn't that bad. That wasn't that bad. <laughs> um, uh, all right. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm feeling. I, to be clear, I feel very confident about Laruda. Yeah. Um, as we've discussed earlier in this episode and many times over, I'm not good with X, X factors. I like to control variables. And so any apprehension I feel has everything to do with everything except for the race. Cause as we've, you know, again, it's just like, just execute effortless, just go ride the bike. Like once the pedals are moving, once the tires are going down the trail, I know what to do. Um, and so it's all that external shit that gets me like, fucking wound up <laughs> yeah but dude i tell you i can't wait to see the look on your face being we because we've traveled together but we've never we haven't done that international right <laughs> and it's just like like everything's cool it's like listening to like uh, uh music in a foreign language huh? right i don't know what they're saying it just sounds cool <laughs> right and i feel like that when, you, when you're international and you have your bike you're like dude i don't know anything that's going on and this seems this is not how i do it back home yeah but damn this is cool but here we are like i'm buying plantains <laughs> off a dude walking up and down on the street right now man so there we have it man checked in for LaRuda checked in for LaRuda thanks for listening everybody Uh, we'll catch y'all next time